Welcome to PR360, where every week the brightest minds in public relations, communications, and media discuss the topics and trends you need to know about. PR360 was produced in partnership with Global Results Communications. Now here's your host, Todd Perry. Welcome back to PR360. My guest today is Ariel Nisenblatt, the Community Marketing Manager at Descript and founder of the Earbuds Podcast Collective. She's worked throughout the podcast industry as a studio manager, an in-app curator at CastBox, a festival organizer at Outlier PodFest, and more. Ariel is also on the organizing team behind the Podcast Taxonomy Project, an international, multidisciplinary collaborative standard for recognizing roles and credits in podcast production. I don't know if you ever listened to, was it Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast, but they would do these very long intros for the guests on the show that would go on like five minutes. And (laughs) by the time the guest was on, they were were exhausted. And then um, Gilbert would then say, this intro also uh, works as an obituary. Um, (laughs) The first question here is someone who's so steeped in the world of podcasting, uh, are there too many podcasts? I don't think so. I don't think that we say there are too many books. I don't think we say that there are too many YouTube channels. I don't think we say that there are too many, you know, anything. I think that there are a lot. I, I actually have theorized about this a lot. Why we think there are too many podcasts. Why so many people say everybody has a podcast nowadays. There, we don't say there are too many blogs. We don't say I could go on all day. Choose the media. But I think the reason we you often hear, oh, everybody has a podcast or there are too many podcasts is because when you release, let's say, uh, a YouTube video or a YouTube channel or when you when you put out a book, when you put out a blog, when you put out I don't know, a new Instagram account, you're launching once you have one launch date usually, but for a podcast, you are constantly launching every episode is a new launch. And yes, this could sort of be applied to YouTube. But for the most part, when you put out a podcast, every single time you put out a new episode, you're asking your friends, family, followers, whoever to support you. And that can be that can feel self indulgent. And I think that is the reason we sort of have this idea that there are too many podcasts out there. But I do not think so. I think that there are as many podcasts as there need to be and there can be more and there should be more because there are more people that could be listening (laughs) to podcasts if the right one were to pop up for them. So I say, let's keep experimenting. And if you have an idea for a podcast, go, 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 make it, make it great so that somebody could discover their next favorite show. Wow. I love it. That's very, very (laughs) pro pod. The the only reason I put that question out is I'm like, life would be so much easier for me as someone who has done multiple shows uh, if there was just less. But you know what? It just makes you have to be better. Uh, I like what you were saying a second ago about how every time you put out an episode, you're kind of reselling the show. Because it seems to me there's a certain kind of podcast entropy that no matter how great of a thing you have going, it's always meant to to be on the decline, right? And you have to keep yeah. pumping it up by new guests, by new ideas, by by exposing it to more people. Yeah, it's really tough, I think. And I think ultimately, I'll come back to what I said before, which is that it feels self-indulgent to say, listen to my podcast, listen to my yeah. podcast. But I think that if you are putting out consistently great content and you are constantly keeping people on their toes 
when it comes to your marketing efforts. Give me a reason to listen to the show. Give me a reason to listen to this episode that's not just, oh, I have a new episode out now. Give me a reason. And then I will feel compelled to press play on that episode. What are some creative ways that people are marketing shows right now that are... uh that are exciting to so <laughs> to you. Yeah. Yeah, I I've seen a lot of really interesting ways to to market shows. The the pretty classic ways to to market your podcast are, you know, you'll go on Instagram, you'll make an Instagram account, you'll go on Twitter X, you'll make a Twitter slash X account. You'll go on Threads, maybe make a Threads account. Who knows? I haven't been on Threads since it launched, basically. Yeah. But their social media is big. A lot of people think, you know, I just started a podcast. Let me create a social handle to go along with that. And I do think that's great. And I do think that you should make social handles to go along with your podcast because it's a great way to keep up with your listeners. It's a great way to let your potential listeners know that you exist. But it's really hard to drive people from scrolling on social media to listening to your podcast. Mm. So one of the more creative ways, but also still pretty run of the mill is collaborating with other podcasts, you know, and you can get really creative with your collaborations with other podcasts. You can do a promo swap, which is just me, you know, telling you about your telling my listeners about your show and you doing the same thing. So we're talking about each other's shows, but then you can get more creative with it. You can do a correspondency. So for example, I was working with a show called the 10 news, which is news for kids, really great show. And then I knew of a show called The Newsworthy, hosted by somebody named Erica Mandy, and yep. she's really great. She's a great journalist, used to be on TV, pivoted to podcasts. She has a great show. It is fast, fair, fun, and on the go. That's how she builds it. And once a month, we would have correspondence from The 10 News come on to Erica Mandy's show and be sort of the kids' news correspondence. So... Mm. Her audience got used to these kids' podcast stories, and she would tee it up and say, you know, I'm a new mom, I have a kid, and if you like kids' news, if you have kids, if you're driving with kids, meet the 10 news right now. So that's a great way to sort of get in the ear of a potential new audience. So I really like that approach, um, deep, well-thought-out collaboration, Mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, more creative ways to uh, promote your show You know, I think um, I've seen people create apps to go along with their podcast. So there's a show called uh, Famous and Gravy. It's a podcast about dead celebrities. And they created an app that you go to and you press whether or not the celebrity is dead. (laughs) And it's just sort of a a marketing tool. And, you know, it's not going to drive tons of listeners, but it is gimmicky and it's fun. And Lauren Passell, who's my business partner and friend, and Shreya Sharma wrote an article on them in Podcast Marketing Magic. So, you know, make news, I think, is a really big part of it. And even if that news is not necessarily going to translate to listeners right away, it is going to get people talking about you and that may stir or spur uh, word of mouth. And that is what you need in order to get your show to grow beyond just friends and family. I love the idea of, you know, is this person dead? Because I, I feel like, you know, every time I'm in a bar with a bunch of people and we just start talking about something, uh, uh, it's like, are they alive or dead? And then can I go in there? Right. And uh, if I had that app, it would just, you know. And like, sure, you could Google it, but it's more fun if it's gamified. <laughs> oh, totally. Oh, totally. Uh, let's see here. So I was talking with a friend the other day, a uh, nebulous friend, and they were saying that there's a bit of a recession happening right now in terms of podcast ad revenue. Uh, is, a, is that true? If so, why? That's a great question. I think it was more pronounced earlier in the year. We're recording this now in September, but 
earlier in the year, you were hearing, number one, about a lot of layoffs from media companies. That is definitely still happening. Mm -hmm. But you were hearing a lot about an ad recession in podcasting. I think it's less pronounced right now as we're nearing the back half of the year. There are still a lot of people who are listening to podcasts and in select categories, ads are still doing okay. Mm. In other categories, people are definitely cutting back their ad spending, which is upsetting. But um, I do think that podcasting is here to stay. And I do think that advertisers are seeing the benefits of advertising on podcasts. I think it's just because podcasting famously does not have such great attribution when it comes to measuring ad spend, it can be tough to justify spend. But over time, people are creating products and measurement tools that are helping that become a little bit more scientific. So I think more and more, we will see more ads getting into the space and more ads spending more. But yes, this year definitely saw a little bit of a dip, but I believe we're back up. Great. I don't think you can ever deny the the, the the platform of podcasting because if you just look at you know you, you go into like uh, I'll go into Apple Podcast Connect and like every show it'll be like ninety you know six percent of people completed the episode you know yeah and this is a captive audience and this is people who love and are emotionally invested in the host of the show and that's really the best audience you could ever want as long as your product aligns with the demographic of people who listen to that. So speaking of, you know, trends in podcasting, uh, I guess true crime has been the big thing, almost like a cliche at a certain point over the last couple of years. Uh, are there any new genres of podcasts that are ready to pop off? Um, what bandwagon should we all be jumping on right now? Scams. Oh. One word. So it's sort of true crime adjacent. Mm-hmm. But what people love about scam podcasts, fraud podcasts, is that it's true crime without the death. Uh-huh. So I have seen a <laughs> lot. I mean, this is this is true. 2022, 2023, scam podcasts are everywhere. People love this middle ground between blood and gore and, you know, just like tax evasion. Yeah. <laughs> That is fun because I, I assume usually you can have a really good evil villain in a scam, you know, some kind of con man, you know, the the type of fellow that you meet in a bar and you really like him and then, you know, he goes for your wallet. Uh, did anybody, this is your question, did anybody do the uh, podcast on the guy who, who uh, committed fraud by like gamifying the uh, McDonald's uh, Monopoly thing? Not that I know of, but there's a really great podcast called Scam Goddess. Are you familiar with it? No. It's so great. I listen every week. It's by this comedian and actor named Lacey Mosley. And every week she has on a different, sometimes comedian, sometimes just cultural commentator, and they go through a scam and they comment on it. And she is just so funny. I I shout her from the rooftops constantly Mm. because I think she's a genius. She started the show in 2019, so she's way ahead on the scam trend, Uh but She's definitely, I think she spurred a lot of other people to talk about scams because we are just riveted by this. And I think it's because we're like, how could you possibly get duped by this? And we don't want to get duped by it ourselves, which is the same reasoning behind why women love true crime is because, you know, you want to protect yourself. You want to know, oh, you want to feel lucky that that's Mm. not me. And I think that this is a little bit like that, but with less blood. (laughs) So we like that. But then there's another trend that I've noticed over the past few years, which is climate related podcasts. Not so much a trend, but you know, this is deep investigation, but there are a lot of podcasts popping up about climate change, the climate crisis, and everything in between. So that's less genre ish, but more topic specific, but definitely something that I've noticed. 
and more of a, a soft fear, right? Than yes. a. <laughs> it's creeping up a little slower. Yeah, you know, going back to the scam thing, I was reading a book called the it was the, the Confidence Game, which was basically how the like. No matter how astute of a person you are, no matter how much you think that you are a person who really understands humanity and someone who could judge other people, uh, when they do studies, they find that no matter what your interpersonal acumen, you can still become the victim of a scam, right? Definitely. You could, you could be the biggest rube on earth, or you can be you know, somebody who is a, a student of humanity, and it's basically the same exact chance of being scammed. Wow. Be- because as, as people, there has to be a certain amount of faith that you have in other people just to exist as a human, right? Nobody can be yeah. completely on an island. Therefore, you're, you're always kind of putting yourself at risk for that. So maybe that's why it's such an appeal to people because it could be uh, something that relates to everybody. Uh, what's the biggest mistake that you see people make when they start new podcasts? As someone who's seen the life uh, trajectory of many yeah. different shows, there are a lot of mistakes. Some of them are spending all of your time on social media. Some of them are spending money on Facebook ads, which I don't really think do anything unless you're very smart about it and have a really great Facebook ads manager. But I'm kind of going to back up to the production phase. I think a lot of people start a podcast and think that it is special. (laughs) And it, it, it might be special, but you really need to get somebody to listen to your show who does not love you, who does not like you. And give you genuine feedback about where they're getting bored and where they're dropping off. And I don't think enough people do that. Are there people who do that for a living? Like, I'm going to tell you you're not interesting. Uh, Oh, good. I like that. (laughs) Well, you know, if you say to me, tear me apart, I will tear you apart. I will say this is where I was bored. This is where I've become weary. Yes. Yes. It's like we had a uh, program director when I used to do On Air in San Diego and he was great because he would just come in and rip you a new one. And <laughs> the wor- the worst one, I sh- it was it was I don't know if it was a compliment or not, but he, he was like, "Todd, you you guys are too indulgent. You know, you're too confident on Mike. You need to be less confident." And I was like, "Less confident? Isn't that good?" Like, "No, Should I be too shy? confident." <laughs> yeah, well just don't think you're that interesting. You know, think about mm. the audience a little bit, I guess, was, was that Yeah, critique. I get that. Yeah, I think it's great to come up with an idea for a podcast and go and sort of start it without it being fully formed. I get that. But after a little bit, you should probably check in with your audience, with, you know, people that are close to you that are offering feedback and say, what is lacking? And there are a, there's a list of five questions that I recommend people ask of their audience. And it oh. does not have to be a scientific study of, you know, getting hundreds of responses. You can get a few responses and they can be anecdotal and you can take those into account. There's a website called Sounds Profitable. It's a newsletter and podcast about the podcast industry. And a few months ago, one of the founders, uh, maybe he's not a founder, a few months ago, one of the um, heads of Sounds Profitable, his name is Tom Webster, wrote an article called What We Talk About When We Talk About Podcasts. Mm -hmm. And in it, he outlines five questions to ask your audience. And I'll just share some of them that I can remember off the top of my head. One of them is, should my podcast be longer or shorter? And you'll notice that that is not an open-ended question. It is a 
yes or no question. It is, yeah. should it be longer or shorter? And the yeah. reason for that is because if you say, how do you feel about the length of my podcast? People will say, oh, it's good. He basically posits that if you ask shitty questions, you're going to get shitty answers. So you yeah. need to ask exactly for what you want. Should my podcast be longer or should it be shorter? Is it the perfect length? Most likely people will say it could be longer or it could be shorter. Probably not. It's the perfect length. And that would be ideal if they said it could be longer, right? right. Another question to ask is, um, if you were to describe my podcast to somebody else, how would you do that? You know, what what are you saying my podcast is about? Not what am I saying? Not repeat what I say my podcast is, but how would you describe it to somebody else? Another question is, you know, who is an ideal... Let me let me back scratch yeah. that because I can't remember it off the top of my head. There are really great questions, so I definitely recommend checking out that article. Oh, could you repeat the title again of that? It's called "What We Talk About When We Talk About Podcasts" from Sounds Profitable. Great. Uh, is there still an opportunity for anybody out there? Again, you said you know people who think they're special. If someone thinks they're really <laughs> funny to go out there and make a comedy podcast, who isn't already a name? I remember. Back in the day, it was like my friends from CBS KLSX Radio. We started a comedy podcast in like 2009. And we were like, you know, no, nobody knew who we are, pretty much nobody's. But we were able to get up to like the top, you know, close to the top of the iTunes charts. Yeah. Because it wasn't flooded with a bunch of people who already had a name. And then suddenly as the Joe Rogans, the Adam Carollas, the, you know, all these people started to file in, it was like, now you're 37. Now you're 50. Uh -huh. Now you're 100. And then, you know, it brought a whole bunch of ears to the thing. But it was like, nowadays, I feel like I already have to have an audience and you can't be a punk band and build from the podcast out. Is that true? Or am I, am I being negative? No, it's not. I, I think there's some nuances to it, but it is definitely much harder to make a podcast with low budget, with not so much planning, without a network, and be on the top of the charts. It is still possible. I do believe that. I think every once in a while, you'll find the exact right mix of comedy and marketing and opportunity, and you will do a great job. And you may reach a whole bunch of new listeners, but I think it's important to remember that there's no monoculture nowadays, because if you go mm. to the comedy charts on Apple Podcasts or even on Spotify, you'll see podcasts that that you've never heard of. And I listen to five yeah. to six hours of podcasts every single day. Wow. And so does my friend Lauren, who I mentioned earlier. And we only overlap on a few of those podcasts. And that is pretty nuts. And it just shows you that there are so many podcasts out there that have huge dedicated audiences that are so popular, that are making money, that are doing this full time. And I've never heard of them. And that's right. pretty nuts. And it's just an, it just shows you that, yes, you can probably do a great job, but you might not be doing Joe Rogan numbers, and that's okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, so, currently, you're working uh, with Squadcast, and can you Descript explain? Now. Oh, Descript. Sorry, sorry. But yes, I'm, yes, I'm, uh, you want the Squadcast question, yeah. Looking at my old, old questions I made three days ago. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. As, as you know right now... Uh, to let the audience know a little secret, this is uh, done on Riverside FM, is the program in which we interface and then record the show, and I grab the audio later, and I make it sound just beautiful. Everybody loves the sound of this show. Uh, <laughs> but so, and you're working with Squadcast. The, 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 the program is called Squadcast. Uh, what are the benefits of that, and why should I switch over? 
Yeah. So Squadcast is a remote recording platform like Riverside or like Zencaster or like Zoom to a certain extent. Although with Riverside and Zencaster and Squadcast, they're double ender recordings. So I'm recording my side of the conversation. You're recording your side of the conversation and you're going to get high quality audio and video and it's going to be great. And it's going to sound like we were in a studio to a certain extent. And the difference between Riverside and Squadcast is that now Squadcast has been acquired by Descript, which is an all-in-one text-based and waveform-based editing software, and you can do anything, and there's a lot of AI features involved. And so with okay. one price, I'm going to sound so salesy, but there's one price now. If you if you were a Squadcaster before, you can get Descript for free, and if you were a Descript person, you can get Squadcast for free. It is the same price and so it is just all wrapped up into one and it's like it's a game changer it's it's a no-brainer i have been using squadcast since 2020 i um i started a podcast in the pandemic and i started using squadcast because i knew that i needed um high quality audio and this was before i was working at squadcast and then about six months later squadcast had a job opening and i started working there and then, um, you know, my, my workflow for making my podcast was I edited on Audacity and, it, and then I would send to a post-production person who would make it sound all good in Pro Tools. But now I pretty much do everything in Descript because there's buttons that you can press that remove background noise with one click. You can make captions right in there. You can create audiograms. The transcript is very, very accurate. It is a pleasure to use and I'm just really enjoying how fast the engineering team innovates. So I think the reason that you would use Squadcast over Riverside is because of all of these post-production capabilities now. Um, But for the most part, Squadcast and Riverside are very similar. Mm. Both have high, high quality audio and video, both allow you to export MP3 or WAV files, both allow you to connect with guests without sending them, uh, without asking them to download anything. All they have to do is use a link. So for me, no brainer, Squadcast all the way, Descript all the way. <laughs> so how can people who want to learn more about the wild and wacky world of podcasting follow you and uh, glean some more great information? Sure. My website is arielnissenblatt.com. And if you Google Ariel Nissenblatt, I am the only person who pops up because <laughs> I believe there's only one of me. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, that That is the most succinct plug at the end of the show that we've had. So thank you, everybody, for listening to PR360. Thank you so much, Ariel, for spreading your great knowledge on the show. I'd love to have you back sometime soon. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. Thank you. PR360 was produced by Todd Perry in partnership with Global Results Communications. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you get podcasts. Follow GRC on all socials at Global Results. Follow Todd on Twitter at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Talk to you next week.